Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan. This week we discuss men to the extreme. Welcome to Why Is with Ty and Dan, a weekly Marvel recap podcast where we try to figure out just who and what is going on in this cinematic universe. Please take a moment to smash that like button and subscribe to keep up with MCU news and reviews. My name is Tyler Borland and with me always is Danny Vincent. Hello, I'm Danny Vincent. My job is to tell you what the MCU news is, 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 is as we say, multiple is is. Uh... So this week we actually had a pretty big chunk of news dropped on Monday when Marvel put out a sizzle reel, is what I'd call it, about their upcoming movies. Which I gotta say, I appreciate them focusing on the movies because I'm tired of this Disney Plus stuff. If I wanted to binge watch a movie, I'd get Queeby. Anyway, so... <laughs> so, we got a lot of details here. Um, first we can discuss... The if we want to the Eternals first footage, I only have one take on it, which uh, obviously eventually we'll do a trailer episode when the trailer's out. But I'm not a big fan of the color grading. Chloe Zhao, what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> what are you doing? Winning Oscars, but you can't color grade your Marvel movie, right? What's wrong with you? No. Uh, uh, my take on it is in the sizzle reel. Right, we cut from the Shang Chi footage, which is super colorful. To the Eternals footage, which is very in gray, and I'm just like, this is disappointing. Yeah, I'm sad. That was my take on the Eternals. Oh, footage. gotcha. Um, um, me, I was. It just kind of seemed like superheroes getting together to fight some ominous villain. That's that's really all I. That's what the plot of Nomadland is. So that would make sense. Yeah, <laughs> that's what Nomadland's about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I thought I thought it was a really cool scissor reel. Um, I, it was lots of footage from prior films, but it was also some new footage in there, like we talked about with the Eternals. I think it's a nice in Shang Chi. There was new Shang Chi yeah, footage yeah. too. I think it's a nice way to build to build excitement. Um, I for one got excited, uh, for the for the movies. It kind of renewed it, which is needed, especially since we've had this lull between theatrical releases. Um, in the MCU, uh. But I really enjoyed hearing the elaboration of the MCU fanfare um, throughout it. Yeah, it was a it was a good score for a, a sizzle feel. I do want to say, I didn't really get more excitement for the movies themselves. I got excited for returning to the movie theater, which I really liked because, in my opinion, the Oscars did not. You would have thought that would have been a big focus of the Oscars, right? right. Like. Get, go back to movie theater, people. It wasn't. Literally, Francis McDormand mentioned it offhand once, which was insane to me. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this was like, welcome back to the movies. Even though our movie isn't coming out to July, you should go back to the movie theater. And I was like, I like that they put this out. I yeah. Go movie theaters. I like movie theaters. Yeah. And the use of the cam footage from Endgame did a good job with that. Mm-hmm. To give me go back to, yeah, I can't wait to be back in the movie theater watching this stuff, even though I don't really think Black Widow's gonna have a moment where everyone, like, explodes and cheering. But anyway, then we had some news within the sizzle reel at the end where they kept throwing titles at right. us. Uh, the first big in- bit of news was that Black Panther 2 is now titled Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which I have to say got me very emotional when I saw the title card, because for some reason... Because here's the thing. 
Black Panther 2 was initially titled Black Panther 2 of Roman Numerals, and I actually thought that was a really cool title. Obviously, back when back when it was first announced and Chadwick was still with yeah. us. Uh, and I was like, I kind of like this, just like Black Panther 2. It looks like kind of like, hate to be like very cheesy, but it's like, it's like The Godfather 2. It's like Back to the Future Part 2. Oh, yeah. Very, very uh, old style sequel way to do it. I like that. But now, since Black Panther 2 has to be what it's going to have to be with Chadwick Boseman's passing, I think Black Panther Wakanda Forever is a very smart mm-hmm. title. It's an emotional title that has a lot of stuff baked into it already. Yeah. I like The it. last time we it's heard that in the title. MCU, it was said by uh, Chadwick Boseman. And it's in the, it's in the sizzle yeah. room, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, such a, such yeah. a great moment. Um, no, I... Th- I think it's a it's a very cool title and it's very relevant to the mythos of Black Panther. Um, I'm very interested in what this sequel is going to be about. I assume T'Challa is dead in the MCU as well, um, and I hope he isn't. Gotcha. I'm gonna say that though. Yeah. I really hope he isn't. I would like for there to be a way for him to like have retired into being just the King of Wakanda, but not being the Black Panther, and they can keep him off screen. Yeah, because I'm of the opinion still that. Kevin Feige said that we will not be recasting Chadwick Boseman for Black Panther 2. I would still think that T'Challa should be recast down the road. I'm sorry. Mm. That's my opinion on it. I think T'Challa is an important character in a way none of the replacements can be. And I think that Chadwick was fantastic in the role. Yeah. But I think there will come a time when they can recast. Gotcha. Gotcha. I see. If we, if we can have another joker eight years after the dark knight mm-hmm. we can have another t'challa we've technically had two uh, jokers before the mcu since is then. totally rebooted we've what? technically had two jokers since then no 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 i'm, I'm referring just to suicide squad came out eight years after uh the dark knight we've had it's been more than eight years since the dark knight <laughs> it's been like uh it's been like 13 years i think yeah but yeah you're right we yeah. have had two jokers we've, we've had I mean, we had Jared Leto's and then Jared also Leto. Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. I was just referring to Jared Leto, but gotcha. yes, Joaquin Phoenix as well. Yeah, but um, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, but anyway, yeah, go on. I mean, your the character can still continue, but you want to give it that time. Like, if they are going to continue yeah. the character, you still have to give it time to honor. Definitely, you know, to, no, no. I'm not yeah, saying I want him recast. Yeah, no, no. I, I'm, I'm agreeing. With, I'm agreeing with you. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I'm like, please, please don't say I'm bad. Please. <laughs> Uh, so we're going to move on to our next bit of news from This Is A Real, which is that Captain Marvel 2 is titled The Marvels. Or if you are to walk up to the theater, you're like, oh, I've won to Marvel Studios The Marvels. Um, this is because it will be focused on not only Brie Larson's Captain Marvel, but on Tiana Paris's... Uh, Monica Rambo. Monica, I can't remember. Yeah, Monica Rambo. Oh, uh, Spectrum, Spectrum, yeah. that's the superhero yeah. name. And then, of course, Miss Marvel, who we'll be getting later this year in a Disney Plus show. Now, here is my opinion on this mm-hmm. title. Um, I don't like it, but it's for a very silly reason, and that's because I enjoy the movie Shazam. Um, and in the movie Shazam, we get uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen Shazam, and Tyler, if you haven't seen Shazam again, you should. The Shazam, as I call him now, the Shazam fam shows up near the end. But the Shazam fam actual name in the comics is the Marvel family, right? Because so when I see Shazam the- was. Captain originally named Captain Marvel in DC yes. Comics, yeah. Uh, and here's the thing: is you can still call him like it, the movie can still be called Shazam. I'm still thinking of them as the Marvel family because one of them's name is Mary, and of course Mary's name is Mary Marvel, uh, and as such, they're the Marvel family. Uh, so me seeing Captain Marvel two titled The Marvels gets me more annoyed than 
the initial show, the initial movie was just titled Captain Marvel. Uh, but that's just my takeaway. Uh, I'll be completely honest with you. I don't really like Captain Marvel 1, but I like the director of Captain Marvel 2, and I like the idea that we're adding these other characters yeah. in. I would like to see, though, Brie Larson still take a lead role and have a bit of, I want to say, redemption, because I don't think she... I, I think she's good in Captain Marvel. I think the script severely lets her down. Uh, yeah. So I would hope that the script is much better for her to show how great an actor Yeah, she I is. wasn't a fan of of Larson in Captain Marvel. Um, I'm not uh, either, but I'm a big fan of her in pretty much th- everything else. That's yeah. the thing. It's like, I think she's great I, in everything See, I've, I've not seen her in much anything else besides 21 Jump Street, which I thought she was really good in 21 Jump Street. Um, well, all I gotta say is wait till August when I make you watch the filmography of Destin Daniel Credit because she's phenomenal in those. And also in Room. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Room is a... Well, Room's what she won her Oscar for, so... Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm hoping that Monica Rambeau will be treated better in this movie than she was in one. I would be shocked if she isn't, yeah. because the director of this movie is Nia DaCosta, who's directing the Candyman reboot that comes out in August, and, uh, Tiana Paris is the lead of the Candyman reboot. Nice. Ergo, I assume they're friends. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's, that's what I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hoping, that's my big hope for, for, uh, the Marvels. Um, and I've heard that, like, Kamala Khan, which is Miss Marvel, she's a pretty, uh, popular new character. In she's fact, great. She's, she's I like, love Kamala isn't she Khan. the most recently I'm... added character to the comics? Uh, well, here's the thing. is the weird thing with Kamala Khan, is kind of like Miles Morales, is that he's, she's a legacy hero. Yeah. That even if she, I don't know who, I think Kamala Khan was after Miles Morales, if I remember right. But I think they both had a ton of impact in the time they've been out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like Kamala Khan. From uh, Kamala Khan's first trade is the only Marvel comic I've ever yeah. read because I was really interested in it. And I, I, I'm very excited for the Disney Plus show. Some rumors surrounding it have me worried, but I always take rumors with a grain of salt. So I really hope they execute it well. I also think that'll be interesting to watch Miss Marvel because she is the first one that's getting a Disney Plus show that is an origin show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like we're watching pre-existing characters. I'm really excited for it. Uh, but yeah. And then our last bits of news here are just Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is dated for February 17th, 2023. Guardians 3 will be coming out May 5th, 2023. And Fantastic Four is seemingly confirmed to come out at some point in 2023. Uh, so just, we have our slate cleared up a little bit. Glad that Guardians 3 will be coming out pretty much as soon as possible. Because mm-hmm. really, two years from now is really quick, considering that James Gunn, uh, Suicide Squad, you know, is in August. Although I've heard he's wrapped up. Yeah. Like in what, I've heard what's the, the release, dif- uh, release difference between Guardians 1 and Guardians 2? I'm just wondering if between... 1 and 2 or 2 No, and 1 and 2, because then I'll, I'll compare it to 2 and 3. Oh, it was uh, August 2014 to May 2017. That's more of a traditional sequel yeah. gap. Yeah, so about And if three-ish. James Gunn hadn't been fired, we would have had the same thing. Yeah, that's right. Because it was right. supposed to be in the Black Widow slot. That's right. Although, granted, it would have still been a long wait because of COVID. Yeah. Um, gotta say, if Guardians 3, though, was our movie coming back, I think people would be a lot more excited uh, for the return of Marvel. Just saying. Yeah, uh, yeah definitely. But any anyway... Um, I was going to say about Guardians 3 also. 
is uh, someone pointed out to me that we will have had an entire Spider-Man trilogy between Guardians 2 and 3, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, it? that is. Because Homecoming came out two months after Guardians 2 did. Uh, so, yeah. yeah we've, uh, we've got four... We've got four theatrical releases for 2021, um, four in 2022, and then it looks like three confirmed so far for 23. Well, uh, two confirmed in Fantastic Four is just kind of TBA. But yeah, what were you saying? Yeah, well, it's going to come because it wouldn't be in that trailer, and that trailer only goes up to me. And we know we'll get another Marvel movie in that uh, year. Uh, I want to double-check what you just said, though, because I thought... uh, what did you say about 2022? said it was four for 2022. Well, uh, technically, yeah, we, if you right. want to count Morbius, it'd be five. But No, uh, six. Oh. I don't count Morbius. I was thinking about Spider-Verse. And, uh, yeah, Spider-Verse, Spider-Verse 2, 2 is in there. And then we've also got Because uh, there's uh, a long... Carnage. The reason I bring that up... We've got is, Carnage as well. Venom 2. Well, no, that's this year. That's this year. Okay, Venom so 2 is still technically five for 2021. Uh, the reason I was bringing up Spider-Verse yeah. is because people were pointing out that, okay, so March to May... Okay, so Spider-Man comes out this December, right? Yeah. And then Doctor Strange 2 comes out next March, not that long a gap. Then Thor in May, not a long a gap. Black Panther in July, not a long gap. But then November, which is a pretty big yeah, gap. Yeah, July to November, yeah. But that's because Spider-Verse 2 is in October. Makes sense. Uh, okay. So, yeah. That's why I was mentioning that, like, Spider-Verse 2 is relevant, because that has to do with the scheduling. Uh, anyway, we have a bit more news, not as much. Uh, first is that Loki will release new episodes on Wednesdays rather than Fridays. Cool. Good job, Tom Hiddleston. The actual take on this is, um... I like the little release. It's a good idea. They did, how they announced it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was fun. fun. Yeah. Fun announce. Um, which means also this premieres now on June 9th instead of June 11th. Uh... I like this idea because this means that when Loki premieres its second to last episode, which are technically some of the most pivotal, pivotal episodes of these shows, it will be the first thing on you see on Disney Plus instead of Black Widow. Yeah. I think Loki deserves the attention. I also think it's stupid Black Widow's going on Disney Plus, but yeah, yeah, you know that story. Yeah. Uh, this also most likely means, although we're not committing to anything yet, that we will change our release times for these episodes. We will not... You, you'll find out more about this when we're closer to it because we haven't decided yet. Uh, but Loki looks good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> looks yeah. good. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> the last one in bit of news is Killian Scott, an actor I've never heard of, joined Secret Invasion. Uh, yeah, so little factoid. Killian Scott's birth name is actually Killian Murphy, who is a different Irish actor. Um, Scott changed his name to avoid confusion with him. And while I would be much more excited for Killian Murphy to enter the MCU, I still look forward to Secret Invasion. So, wow! Honestly, I thought this was a joke, but I just looked it up, and you're right. That's yeah, crazy yeah. I looked. I, like, got um, really, I got really, I got really excited because this said Killian Scott, also known as Killian Murphy, and I was like, "That's not Killian Murphy's picture." And then I read more, and I was like, "Oh, okay, this, yeah." Well, I think that's interesting. Um, that reminds me of. Do you know Michael Keaton's real name? No. It's Michael Douglas. Oh, goes, yeah. But there was already Michael Douglas around, so he's like, I'll do Keaton because I like Buster Keaton. Yeah. Uh, which is really always, that's an interesting factoid to me always, is that there's two famous Michael Douglases. Uh, but I always think, obviously, Michael Keaton is Michael Keaton. Both legends. Mm-hmm. We, we'll take them oh, both. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
I wish Killian Murphy would do one of these movies, but I'm also okay from just doing like weird side projects and popping up in big name movies. Like he's in a yeah. Quiet Place too. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm excited for him in Quiet Place too, and the this is the only reason I want to see the final <laughs> the final season of uh of Peaky Blinders. I think I is filming, that. so I'm I'm really excited to see. I'm curious if they wrapped because I know that actor died in it recently, and it'd be nice if she would. Oh, that's finished that's it. true. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, but I don't watch Peaky yeah. Blinders, so I'm not the person to talk to. Anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of so good, Tyler, we're going in the green room. You can talk about what you saw first. All right, first. so uh, we both rewatched old we, movies. We did well, old. <laughs> movies from our childhood ish, right. which era. I took inspiration from uh, last week's guest, Drew Hayden. Um, he mentioned Transformers, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead, and I've got a nostalgia for the uh, first Transformers movie, um, because after that, they go severely down downhill. Um, it changed my opinion on this film, watching it again now, uh, which is 15, 14 years after its release in 2007, I was in seventh grade when this movie came out. So I was like, I yeah, I was all for it. But uh, I, I'm giving it a three out of five now. I would have given it, given it a four out of five, but I'm giving it a three out of five. And it's almost slipping to like a two and a half out of five. Anyways, so uh, Transformers 2007 is not available on streaming. Um, you have to rent it somewhere. Uh, it's nostalgia to the max, aka brand deals to the max, aka lesson number one in product placement. Um, if you're a communications major, I would recommend watching this film as a study for product placement. <laughs> um, and specifically thinking of the Furby truck that is used as a shield in the final battle. Is Furby a Hasbro thing? I feel like it might be. That might be cross. Uh, that promo. might that you might be cross I mean? promo. Yeah. It's like how I know. I don't know if it's in this one, but in one of them, you can, uh, there's like a My Little Pony, uh, pillow that gets shredded apart. Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know if it's this, this one, if it's in a different one. And then, yeah. And then the Mount, the Mountain Dew Septicon, as I'm going to call it from now on. But, uh, but, but yeah, it's, this movie was actually the very first movie score that I ever bought. Um, I love the music in this film done by Steve Jablonski. Um, and he act, he does the music throughout the Michael Bay contributions to Transformers. He doesn't do the stuff for Bumblebee. Um, the video game I played this on PS2 back in the back in the day. Um, it was basically GTA with robots. Uh, Frank Welker, little uh, tidbit here, he reprises the voice acting for Megatron in the game, not the movie, but uh, in the movie. It's Hugo Weaving. Yeah, our buddy. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Friend of the good podcast, old, good old Red, Red Skull. Yep. Uh, so the opening scene is so good with the Peter Cullen narration. Um, I think Peter Cullen could narrate whatever he wants, and I would buy it. Um, well, I'll put a little asterisk next to that. But uh, the, <laughs> the, pro, the pros, yeah, the pros um, of this film is the radio car scene is fun. Uh, the transformations are fantastic. The visual effects of this what movie about, are awesome, especially for 2007. And overall, what about when uh, do what? What about when John Turturro gets pissed on by Bumblebee? Yeah. is that a that, good scene? That's that's a scene. Um, 
That is a scene. <laughs> it certainly it happened. happened. <laughs> I'm not going to say if it was a good idea, but yeah. Overall, it can be fun to just see big robots battle each other. Um, however, if you're going to choose that, hey, I want to see robots battle each other, a better film than this one is Real Steel with Hugh Jackman. Or Pacific Rim. Or Pacific Rim, yeah. Um, I like Pacific Rim. It's good old I- Idris Elba. Uh, so, yeah, it's true. So, uh, John Boyega in the yeah, sequel. The movie does really well of capturing the attitudes of, of high schoolers. Um, that said, this film's cons outweigh its pros for me. Um, the sound design is great at times. When effects match up with physical cues on screen, that really pulls me into the movie. However, a Decepticon sounding like a lion definitely made me audibly laugh during the climax of the film, which shouldn't happen, um, unless it's comedy. So, uh, the dialogue is sloppy and subservient. Uh, the lines don't really... It doesn't really feel like we're telling much of a story. It's just to get us to the next point, which I know is the basic that's what dialogue is basically for but also like we should be using dialogue to build characters we should be using it to really build this world out especially since there's going to be six films made um surrounding these hasbro toys uh and there's a seventh one coming out next right year. so yeah uh women are objectified to the max uh racial stereotypes are disgustingly embraced quite a few scenes are a cluster um, and the laws of physics are repeatedly and hilariously ignored. I'm thinking of, you know I remember? I'm thinking of like when, Sorry, uh, Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox are like dropping from the bridge. They randomly just fall off of, uh, Optimus, Optimus Prime's shoulders. And then he sticks out his foot and I'm like, yeah, they wouldn't fall, what, 30 feet, the, how tall he is and <laughs> fall and smash their face on his foot. But, yeah, anyways, what were you going to say? Uh, yeah, well, I was going to tell a quick mm-hmm. story, which is that I saw this movie, I think when I was 12, that's how old I would have known this yeah. came out. And we went to the discount theater to see it, like, in August, because this came out in July. Um, and I distinctly remember asking my parents when it was over, what does masturbation mean? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I think that uh, I think there's a conversation to be had with these Transformers movies is that they it is a these are based off of toys these are children's right. movies however you would I don't think Michael Bay knows that I think Michael Bay thinks he's making a movie for teenagers yeah. who grew up with these toys right. which would have been which would have been well, which is fine you know, if there was time like but, but yeah no I don't know yeah it's no, weird. It. It's, it's a little weird. And the sequel gets worse. Dark, uh, Run to the Fallen is worse yeah. than that. Yeah, Fun. it is. Uh, yeah. They just... Uh, yeah, Revenge of the Fallen, they get into... They're really bad racial stereotypes in Revenge well, of the not, Fallen. Well, I mean, like, the, uh, the objectification the gets worse, yeah, too. Yeah. And John Turturro, you get, like, a close-up of, like, a giant bulge on his speedo. Right. <laughs> like it's just really yeah. weird. I don't I know love, why. <laughs> I love John Turturro in this film. I don't love his character. Yeah, but I mean, I, I feel like I could say that about literally any character in the movie besides. Yeah, Shadows. yeah. Like, and we'll talk. Let's talk about the acting. Um, Shia LaBeouf plays a convincing teenager 
who has no idea what is going on. But I think it's because Shia LaBeouf literally had no idea what he was doing <laughs> on screen. <laughs> like, the... wait, 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 we gotta, we gotta give a disclaimer. Uh, Shia LaBeouf is a creep, and we don't actually like exactly. Him as a person. That's exactly. We're gonna talk about yes. his acting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> disclaimer. Uh, so, so yeah, it, like I, it legitimately, I'm just like he, yeah. It just seems like he's like, uh, what? I'm supposed to run around and and uh, just scream things. But uh, anyways, Bernie Mac is phenomenal in his five-minute role. Um, and Josh Duhamel gives a solid performance. I think Josh Duhamel is the best acting in this in this film. Um, he gives a solid performance. And I like it. smart move on them to start with him. Um, being, I don't honestly. This is like the only thing I've seen Josh Doomhall in besides like, uh, what do you I've, call it? Uh, Love. Simon. I've seen him in. Uh, he's in a Nicholas Spark movie, and I've seen that movie once. I don't remember much of that. No, one. I have to look up. But I now have to look up the Josh Doomhall uh, filmography so I know what I've seen him in. Besides Love Simon and Transformers. Uh, I think he's like in Transformers Five. If he's I in. They bring him he's back. in two. No, he's in Safe Haven. I saw gotcha. him in Safe Haven. He's the. He's in two and three. Haven. I don't know if he's in four. He's in. He's in all of them except four. Gotcha. Like. This week, I also watched something that kind of was inspired by what we did last week, and it was inspired in two ways. One, because we talked about the Oscars, which this year were produced by the Steven Soderbergh, and uh, the Steven Soderbergh the only one. There's no over Steven Soderbergh that exists besides this particular one. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, also, the, uh, how we watched Three Kings, and I was like, this reminds me of Ocean's Eleven. So I rewatched Ocean's Eleven this week, but I saw it in the movie theater. We saw it at actual friend of the music box. I can call him our friend because they retweeted us, uh, finally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, friend, uh, friend of the podcast, the music box, uh, theater. And showed it in glorious 35mm and let me get on my soapbox a bit and say Tyler if you've ever been to Chicago and the music box is showing something in 35mm or 70mm we gotta go I love film film is so pretty love it big screen big movie love it but this was the first time I've ever seen Ocean's Eleven on the big screen uh, but I've obviously seen, seen Ocean's Eleven a ton because anyone who's seen has seen Ocean's Eleven a ton it is one of the I think it might be the most rewatchable film of all time. <laughs> it's wildly entertaining, as always. And seeing with a crowd was fun. And it was weirdly, like, kind of emotional. Mm-hmm. Not to me, but I felt emotion in the crowd. Because the capacity has just... Um... So the music box has been limited to 50 people this entire pandemic when they've been open. But they just had capacity expanded to 150 being allowed. Ergo, you could tell this was a lot of people's first movie back in the theater. Um, by how excited they were, by how much applause they got at the beginning of the movie. Uh, and I, I know you haven't seen Tyler, Ocean's Eleven, but there's a scene at the end of Ocean's Eleven that's kind of famous, and it really hit hard this time I was watching mm. it. Um, because you could tell the entire audience just kind of... It's near the end. Yeah. And it's... Uh, I can talk about it a bit. So, spoiler alert, at this movie about a heist that's famous, they succeed at their heist... Shocking, I know, right, Tyler? Are you surprised that they pulled what? off? Yeah. Oh my I know. gosh. Uh, <laughs> but uh, at the end, a lot of them just go and uh, they reflect that they did it, and it's over though now. And like, 
it totally has like a tinge of melancholy but also like happiness that they pulled mm-hmm. it off and this time it kind of was like wow yeah the movie is over and you made it through the entire movie and it feels right like i don't know i got the vibe from it it was nice uh but yeah oceans 11 might be the, i want to say it's the best movie of all time because it's not i actually have it at 4.5 out of 5 because i always think the ending runs a bit yeah. long um because it's two hours and 15 minutes and it really should just be two gotcha. hours like there's no reason it should be as long as it is like well it's 10 minutes too long but it's wildly entertaining it's one of the most stylish movies ever made i can say that uh, and I don't know. I don't really have much to. I don't. I don't have a deep dive into Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Native. Because one, you haven't seen it, which is crazy to me. But two, it's just like it's Ocean's Eleven, man. It is. It's great. It's a great movie. Uh, wildly entertaining. Uh, it's got Clooney. It's got Pitt. It's got Damon. It's got Bernie Mac. It's got Carl Reiner. Just all-time great casts. It's got Julia Roberts. It's got. You know, you know, I don't need to keep listing yeah. people off. It's got, it's got eleven great people. Catherine Zeta Jones is in it. Two. No, she, no, she isn't. isn't. She's in. She's 12. in twelve. Okay. Yeah, yeah I mean that shows you how much red. I know about the about the oceans films. Yeah, she's in twelve, and Pacino's in the third one. Thirteen. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Hollywood has been doing these female red led reboots, uh, and I actually like them. Sorry, uh, people who hate the idea of there being female... I think female Ghostbusters is better than the original. That's my hot take Ooh. I give out at parties. Ooh. Yeah, I don't we really like... We got a Bill like, Murray uh, style. No, it's not. Bill Murray has better movies. Uh, the real reason I have that take is because really, to me, the difference is ne- negligible. They are pretty much the exact same in quality. But what is going to get me a reaction at parties? I'll say Ghostbusters 2016 is better. I don't care. They're the same quality of movie, but you're, you're nodding your head no, but uh, Ghostbusters 1 is not a funny movie. Uh, I'm just saying, you could say Ghostbusters 2016 isn't either. But what's, what is more, sure, what I'll is take more 90s nostalgia than Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Sigourney Weaver? Uh, I would say it isn't 90s nostalgia because it came out in 84. What is so, 1984 <laughs> nostalgia? I remember that year. It's such a great year. Oh my gosh. I, I don't really care. Never... I'm sorry. Ghostbusters 2016 should have got a sequel. They're rebooting it with Paul Paul Rudd, and I'm just like, no. It's kind of weird. I don't, I don't want... Well, here's the thing. is also Ghostbusters, uh, more so than Ocean's 8, because that's what I'm getting to. I'm going to talk about Ocean's 8. But Ghostbusters 2016 got caught up in this weird culture war thing where everyone went into it wanting to hate it. They were like, the trailers are bad. Because Bill Murray isn't in the trailers. I'm like, no, this is stupid. There are so many other good movies better than Ghostbusters. Like, I would be very blunt. There are movies better than Ghostbusters that have been rebooted where they've ignored the original movie and people don't care about it. But with Ghostbusters, it's because they had an all-woman cast that people got mad about it. I think Ghostbusters 2016 is a funny movie. It is like, I don't want to say, it's not Star Trek 2009 quality, but it gets close to it. And I think it, I enjoy it more than I watch than watching the mm. original. Anyway, I'm not. Uh, but Ocean's Eight, I think Ocean's Eight was also quite solid. The issue of Ocean's Eight is that it's not directed by Soderbergh, but more so than that is that the director they have is Gary Ross, who is not a good director. Um, uh, Gary Ross directed the Hunger Games reboot. The Hunger, <laughs> the Hunger Games, not the reboot. They didn't reboot it's not, it. Yet, not yet. God. It's not been uh, rebooted yet. Not yet. Yeah. Someday. Uh, but 
I think they should have got Soderbergh back because he produced it, and I think he worked on the story a bit. Or they should have got a female director who would have actually, or honestly, not even just a female. If they got in a director who actually like gave a shit, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sorry, Gary Ross's direction is very bland. Yeah. And if you watch an Ocean's movie, you know it shouldn't be. Mm. Ocean's movies are meant to be stylish. But my thing is, is they never announced an Ocean's Nine, and it, Ocean's Eight did well. Like it did perfectly fine. It would have a sequel. I would have invested. It did about the same Creed did. You know, in Creed, they invested in a sequel with the idea, well, maybe the sequel will increase yeah. or do about the same, and we can keep it around the same budget. And I think they could have done the same with Ocean's 8, uh, or, or rather, Ocean's 9. Uh, and it's kind of a bummer to me it didn't happen, because the thing is, of Ocean's, to me, it seemed very obvious that what you do is you do Ocean's 9, you do Ocean's 10, and then you finally do Ocean's 14, where you bring in people from mm-hmm. old. And that would have been, I think, Clooney, Damon, and Pitt back for an Ocean's movie with Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, and I can't remember who the third lead of that movie is, but I know Sarah Paulson. It's not Melissa McCarthy. Uh, no, she's not in. She could have been added to Ocean's. Uh, she would have made sense for an Ocean's um, nine. I would have. Been she, was she in eight? No, she's. Oh. I can't remember who the third lead of it is. Aquafina's in it, and it's right before Aquafina became. Maybe I'm thinking Rihanna. I don't know. The cast of Ocean's Eight is because the Ocean's Eight cast is more stacked than the Ocean's Eleven cast. Because the Ocean's Eleven half the cast are just smaller roles. Or well, Matt, Matt Damon but was Ocean's just was starting like, out. In yeah, Ocean. but he had been in Good Will Hunting, so he was still yeah. a big deal. Yeah, the eight in Ocean's Eight are Kate Blanchett, Sandra Bullock, and Halfway. Anne Hathaway is who I'm thinking of. Uh, Anne Hathaway is the bad guy in Ocean's 8, but she joins them at the end. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah. Sarah Paulson, Aquafina, Mindy Kaling, Helena Bonham Carter, and Rihanna. Oh. Those that's, are the Ocean's that's 8. That's pretty stacked. It's very stacked. Yeah. 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 But my point is, if you got them all back, and then 9, you had, say, Melissa McCarthy, and I don't know who you had for 10, maybe, like, Viola Davis or Elizabeth. Uh, I think it would be a big deal. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, cause that's what the for sequels, you have to add a big deal. Uh, maybe Viola Davis, maybe at, uh, I'm trying to think of who else is, like, a really big deal nowadays. I don't know. I, I want to, I, I like the Ocean's movies, even if Ocean's 8 wasn't perfect. But Ocean's 11 is. Watch Ocean's 11. Hot take, I know. It's a great movie. Alright, now we're gonna move on to our, uh, the main subject of this week's podcast. Um, another movie turned... 10 years old and that is x-men first class danny uh what are your general thoughts on this one uh i think i'm a big fan of the x-men movies but i am not a big fan of first class and it's not bad it's not a good movie i mean excuse me it's not bad it's not good it's not great it is a good movie but it's just a solid movie uh it's average if you want to watch what an x-men movie should be i guess i would recommend first class Honestly, the way I'd say First Class is watching it is it is basically what I already imagined the MCU version of X-Men yeah. movie. The one-off phase one movie of X-Men. It's, uh, it's a nice starting point. I do think point. it has a bit more personality nice starting point. than most... It has more personality than a lot of the uh, MCU movies, though. And I think that's just in general for X-Men yeah. movies. Because with X-Men movies, you never know what you're going to get in quality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but once you watch it once, I'd rather spend my time watching... Either X two Logan or Dates Future Past. If I want to get my hands yeah, on X, yeah, yeah. Um, this, but you, this film shines in an area that I don't think is given enough credit, um, and that's the film's through line, which is acceptance of people given their differences. 
Um, the origin of comic books is actually an outreach to youth and discussing social issues. And this movie embraces the true spirit of comic books. Um, and it, it's not just another superhero action flick. It is, uh, I agree with you that it's, it's kind of just, it's, it's here. It's a nice starting point to get into X-Men, but it's also not a, not a terrible film it's not the last stand which thank you listeners for not picking that one <laughs> <laughs> last stand uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a film not it's the worst it's the worst to it me. is like that is the yes. worst x-men movie to me uh sorry my opinion on x-men origins wolverine is that a lot of people say it's the worst i think x-men origins wolverine is immediately not a problem once we have an actual deadpool movie yeah out. Once that happens, well, it becomes much more of a laughably bad. The thing movie. is, is like in Origins Wolverine, they at least tried. Where like the Last Stand yeah. is just kind of like, oh, this happened in the comics. Let's throw it in. It, yeah. Anyways, let's uh let's dig in, let's dig in deeper to the movie. All right. So X Men First Class. Is it a first class movie? Let's find out. Um, we're going to be jumping around a bit like we do with these older movies because I know last week we tried to work our way through Thor chronologically, but I think we both talked about it way too long and about stuff we didn't care about. So today we're just going to try and jump around. We're just, we're going to follow the outline we have in order. Okay. <laughs> also because I'm really hungry and I really want yeah. to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> All right. So my first thought on it was that there was a lot of high profile actors in this who aren't high profile in 2011. Uh, and I know that you... Well, you can say what you want to say first okay. here, and then I'll, I'll counter Yeah, it's... It. Well, I'm not going to counter. I'm going to elaborate. Uh, it's definitely a stacked cast in present-day terms with seeing where these actors are now. Um, I I think acting-wise, uh, Michael Fassbender is the best best part of this film, um, well, in my opinion. That's not really... It's not really a hot take. Right. I think everyone has that opinion on this movie. Uh my my thing with stacked cast is I didn't necessarily mean like Fassbender, McAvoy, and Lawrence because they're the obvious like, yeah the yeah huge, obvious they, choices. They blew up after well Fassbender and McAvoy blew up because yeah. of this movie. Lawrence blew up for obviously I'm yeah movie. Hunger Games. She is not very and... memorable. She's not bad in this movie. She's just not memorable yeah. in it. Um, but I'm saying even among like the sidekicks, uh, as I call them the side like the other mutants. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas Tills now like a lead of a CBS show. Not that I watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I watch CBS shows. Um, this came out like a month after Bridesmaids did. So, and Bridesmaids was Rose Byrne's yeah. breakout role, and where she's the love interest in this. Uh, so that's crazy to me that she's in this too. Uh, it's honestly it's more crazy to me that she came back for Apocalypse. Uh, yeah, <laughs> because because this makes sense because she wasn't big yeah. yet. Uh, but then she became big after this, but before Apocalypse. Uh, but then, even among the other kids, the one that shocked me, there's two that shocked me, and that I, I'm going to talk about them more later on, is that Zoe Kravitz is in this, who's going to be Catwoman next year, and has been in multiple TV shows, and she plays Angel. And then Caleb Landry-Jones, who's an actor I'm sure you don't know who it is, but he's a really great character actor. He's in The Florida Project, he plays one of the first son in it. He's in Get Out as one of the uh, families, the, the brother in the mm. family, and he's in uh, Three Billboards in some role. I don't really like Three Billboards. Um, but my point is, he's a really well-regarded character actor these days, and he's in the, he plays uh, Banshee in this, and he looks, 
he's such a kid in this. It's crazy because he well, didn't become big until Get Out, which was six years after this. Also, mm-hmm. now it came out in February 2017. Uh, but anyway, I was just like, wow, all these actors here—they all become fairly big deals down the road. And I, I, I think I can say Caleb Landry Jones is a bigger deal now than he was. When this funny little, out. funny little story. Um, back in college, people told me that I that I looked like, or that Caleb Landry like Jones Caleb and Landry I Jones? look look alike. Yeah, because they saw him in uh, Friday Night Lights, uh, the oh, show. Yeah. yeah. Wait, are you seeing mm-hmm. that? You might be right. I, I I always think of that as Jesse Plemons' show because Jesse Plemons is on Friday Night. Gotcha. Nights. But you might be right. Uh, it sounds yeah, he is on Friday Night. You're right. He's he's a, both of them are. Everyone's in Friday Night Lights. <laughs> Let's be real here. Every, <laughs> Uh, Caleb Landry Jones was in Friday Night Lights. Uh, he also had a guest spot on Breaking Bad, and then he was in the Twin Peaks revival. He's uh, in the Dead Don't Die. He was in American Made, the Tom Cruise movie. I think he plays Tom Cruise's son in it, or maybe he plays Don Hall Leeson. Someone really. He was in No movie. Country he's for Old actor. Men. Super bad. Yeah, social he's network. A, he's a yeah. baby in that because he's, yeah. he's a baby in this. I'm gonna be honest. He looks like a baby in this. Uh, yeah, he does. So. Uh, oh, and of course Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt is game became big after this too. Can't believe I forgot to mention him. I can't believe Nicholas Holt hasn't been nominated for an Oscar yet. He definitely seals like someone who should have been by now. Uh, what was he? He was nominated for a Globe. Now, sorry, now I'm looking up Nicholas Holt. I'm like Nicholas Holt, what are you famous for? What what Golden Globe were you nominated? Oh, he was nominated for. He forgot he had a TV show. Now he has a TV show on Hulu. He got nominated for a glove there. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so that is uh, so uh, so you talk, well, you talk. You're the next you note. Talk, Go ahead, yeah. Tyler. Go on. So I really, I really <laughs> like the Magneto storyline um, in this film. Uh, great performance from Fassbender, and he does he does facial expressions so well. Um, you, you know, back when X Men Origins came out in '09, we were supposed to also get. Like an X Men Origins Magneto, um, uh, I've heard a lot of that script is built. Yeah, in and that and that's what I was gonna say is that it felt like we finally got the Magneto origin story in this in this film, um, and it doesn't feel shoved into it. It feels like it's naturally part of the script. Um, and I, but I really, I do really enjoy, uh, yeah, mag like fast Fastbender's Magneto is is the highlight of the newer. Um, yeah, I would say, well, the thing is, uh, the thing that's important to mention there, because I agree with you, but it all comes down to the mm-hmm. material. Because the fact is, is that post Days of Future Past, none of the other material is ever remotely good. Magneto's stuff in Apocalypse gives Fassbender a lot to work with, but it's annoying because I really like the direction they were going with Magneto becoming more of an anti-hero. Yeah. Uh, and then in Dark Phoenix, he's also given an interesting mm-hmm. idea to play with a bit. I like... No one else in these movies yeah, are. Yeah, I liked... Like that. Um, uh, what did you think about... Yeah. Uh, let's let's touch on... Uh, let's go through, like, the actors a little bit. The cast. Yeah, a lot of cast. That's really... What, okay, that's what to talk about here. Because I feel like the action in this is yeah. fine. It's fine. Uh, like most X-Men movies, the best parts are when it's, like someone is basically just rushing up a mutant is rushing a place with just a bunch Mm -hmm. of humans and easily knocking them out that is probably the epitome of good x-men action outside of logan 
Because X2 has that with the Nightcrawler sequence. That's so good. That opening mm. Nightcrawler sequence. Well, that's why I like Azazel. Yeah. yeah, that's why I like Azazel in this because it gives us that. Te- that's X-Men has given us the best teleporters mm-hmm. ever on the yeah. screen for action. Yeah, I, I'm excited yeah. for teleporters uh, when they come to the to the MCU. But well, we'll see. If, my we'll we'll get into that. I I'm very pessimistic about about X-Men Marvel's wrapping X-Men. into. Going going yeah. to Marvel, I'm very. That's when Fox was bought by Disney. I was very much like, I don't really want X Men folded in because people are like, well, but the, the, the X Men movies are so inconsistent. Like, yeah, but Disney would never really give me Logan. I would right. never get Logan under right. Disney. I would never. I probably wouldn't. Or even Deadpool too. Uh, well, I'm not, I'm not even thinking Deadpool. I wouldn't even think I'd get the future past. Really. I don't think Disney would do it. I don't think... Uh, I think it's very pointed that... I don't think if we were in the multiverse of No Way Home, I don't think Disney wanted that initially. I think Sony pushed for it because it would give them money. Mm, gotcha. Uh, I think Days of Future Past exists out of a certain desperateness mm-hmm. for the fact that First Class underperformed, that they're like, well, we can bring in Wolverine and the old cast, and maybe we'll get something good out of that. And they did get yeah, something good out of yeah. it. Yeah, But, anyway, so the cast... Rose Byrne is wasted in this movie. Has to do kind of with the fact that I don't think she was very well known until Bridesmaids, and that came out a month before this. So obviously she was shooting this at the same t- right after, ever right before, right after yeah. Bridesmaids shot. Probably right before because of the visual effects, uh, but I obviously have no idea. Uh, I also think Rose Byrne is one of the most talented comedic actresses working, mm-hmm. uh, which makes it such a shame that her character is such a nothing in this. Yeah, this Wolverine cameo. I honestly for, I forgot about it, and then I was kind of like, oh yeah, they every X Men film if if he's not in it, he's got to have some type of cameo because this is not an X Men film without Wolverine. I I I like his cameo yeah. here. Um, I think it's fun. I what I like about it in particular, this is such a Danny overanalyzing it is. I think most versions of his cameo would just have him do is like go off yourself. Mm-hmm. And then they walk out and cut away. But the camera actually stays with Wolverine for like a solid 10 seconds as he looks really confused at why he's even in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's just kind of like, hmm, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have, that was weird. I'm going to have some more beer. Like, I like that the camera stays with yeah. Wolverine. It does, like, it allows that moment to, like, really sink in a bit more. It's probably there because I'm willing to bet that this, during test screenings, got laughs mm-hmm. that were like, hysterical because no one was expecting Wolverine to be yeah. in the movie uh, and they're like well we have to give some time for the audience to calm down but I like it it's a it's a good yeah. moment uh, I don't know Hugh Jackman's Wolverine is good so no, it I'll is. take it it is and yeah. I like... that's not a bash not a bash on, uh, on Hugh Jackman and I think it's something where the franchise was so focused on him at this point that you had to include him to acknowledge yeah he's out there but he's not going to be in right. this movie Especially because the previous X Men movie was Origins Wolverine, where it was established he was around during yeah. his time. So, yeah. um. uh, I also think Jennifer Lawrence is overhated in this agreed. movie. You hear, talk, people talk about this movie and they go like, "The worst parts are Jennifer Lawrence and January Jones." Uh, I do think January Jones is bad in it, but I also think it goes back to that thing where it's like, well, even if she wanted to be good in it, they don't give her much material mm-hmm. till the end, like literally the last scene. It's like, yeah, okay, I get why people hate her in this, but it's like whatever uh but jennifer lawrence has does a good job of what she's giving yeah like 
And people need to remember also that this came out before The Hunger Games. So the fact that people were watching this and being like, oh, she's a terrible Twister Katniss is insane to me. Like, it literally makes no sense to me. Like, how can you judge this character and be like, she's a terrible actress, she shouldn't be allowed to have a role. It's just misogyny. I'm just gonna be yeah. it's misogyny. Yeah, I like, her, uh, acting, her acting is good, but the writing makes her character say super cheesy things. And the love triangle between her and uh, Magneto Beast. and Beast is so underdeveloped. Yeah. It's it, and the fact that the sequels really like try to make that the backbone of her relationship is weird. I also think it's just in fact people. Are, I don't know. I I always got the impression that this is not how it is in the comics with Mystique's origin. Mm. I don't think she's meant to be close to uh, Professor X. Yeah, you know what I mean, I think it's just something they did for this movie because the Mystique Magneto relationship is the key relationship Magneto has in the first. Mm-hmm. movies besides of course his relationship to professor x so like well we have to build mystique and somehow i think it's really interesting that jennifer lawrence's casting led to mystique basically being a hero yeah that if but the thing is is that jennifer lawrence don't blame her for this hates it like she hates playing mystique because of the makeup in the yeah. costume yeah uh and i can't blame her it is like she, but she was contracted in for the movies that's why i was always so shocked to see she was back in dark phoenix because I would assume she would never sign on beyond her free film contract. Right. Um, and then she's just back to die, too. But she probably was a part of her contract there. So. Yeah, uh, I, I forgot anyway. Oliver Platt was in this film. Um, he, he well, plays, I forget Oliver which, Platt exists. <laughs> uh, he plays a character titled Man in Black Suit. Which I don't know if that's a reference to the comics. But, uh, but yeah. I did see on Wikipedia that he had a hyperlink for his character, so let me let me huh. click the hyperlink and we'll we'll get some uh, we'll get some. Oh nope, I lied. He does not have a hyperlink. Well then. Uh, ooh, interesting fact. He was initially going to be played by Dexter Fletcher. Dexter Fletcher, you probably don't know, but he directed Rocket Man. Okay. So he is a director. Yeah, and then I and then I He's... forgot Kevin Bacon's also in this film. Also, I remember. Why Kevin does Bacon. Kevin Bacon want to destroy the world? Alright, so we're gonna, this is where me and Tyler are going to get into this. <laughs> this is where we're going to fight. I don't think Kevin Bacon's bad in this. He is a perfectly useful villain. He hams it up a bit. His opening scene with Magneto is a good scene. Yeah. Uh, it's just distracting because it's Kevin Bacon initially. And you're like, why is Kevin Bacon playing a Nazi? It doesn't make any sense. But I think he's fine. Uh, his You say you don't understand his... You can say it if you want. Sorry, it's in the notes. You can say it yourself. Uh, but I have a counter to your thing about oh, his motivation. Him wanting I think to his motivation makes sense. The world, like I, I understand. It's like, well, I want to get rid of all the humans so that way the mutants can rise up. Well, but the mutants come from the atomic bomb in this world. Like that is what they imply, even though it makes no sense because That's... obviously he okay. exists that, and Fassbender exists. That did not come off. That didn't come off. So clear it to can me. bring in a new mutant age. But also, it's like we see that the Russians and the humans both hate mutants. Uh, the yeah. mutants immediately in this, so that's why he's justified. Gotcha. Okay, that makes uh, that makes a little more sense. I was just kind of like the first time we see him, he's like nuclear fire everywhere, and I'm like, okay, okay, Kevin Bacon. Calm Bacon down. is like the only person in this movie who has villain wise, because I don't count Magneto as a villain yeah. in this movie. He he only becomes Magne- like the villain Magneto at the end, and he's not he doesn't do anything villainous. He just says I'm gonna go off and gotcha. become a villain. 
Maybe. Um, Kevin Bacon is the only one of the villains who has presence. Maybe he Kevin has... Bacon is mad because he saved the world with dance and Footloose and nobody recognized him for it. And that's why. But three years after this, Guardians 2 will come out. The Guardians 1 will come out, and he will finally get recognition as hero of the Exactly. Of Which means that the X-Men, the Fox X-Men films, are actual movies in the MCU. It'll be very weird when the X-Men yep. shows up. Very awkward. In the MCU. You heard it first yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, well, then I wonder, does Wanda just not watch movies? Because when she recognized Evan Peters from <laughs> around the true. X-Men movies? It's true. Well, when did Days of Future Past come when out? When the X in the MCU does Ralph when Boner did Days of Future Past play come out? Peter Maxima? When did Days what? of Future Past come out? 2014. 2014. Was that Age of Ultron? No, Ultron was... No, a year before. Yeah. Don't you remember it, it was, was a big 15. deal? It was a big deal because Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch appear in the post-credits of Winter Soldier. And a lot of people were like, they're just doing this so that way they have the Quicksilver out first, even though he's not going to be in a movie yeah. until Age yeah. of Ultron. Because it came out yeah, a month before the, Days of Future Past how that, it. How that blew up, and then, yeah. Uh, okay, so moving uh, moving on. Kev, yeah, Kevin Bacon talking about worshipping the Atom just makes you want a live-action series based on the Fallout games, which I don't know if you get that reference. I, I yeah. get the reference. I played, like, a Fallout game for, like, an hour once. It's okay. Sure. <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> sure. Whatever, Tyler. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Him, like him just talking. Well, in Fallout, I think it's New Vegas. Um, the there are these this group of people that worship and this atomic bomb that didn't go off, and so they like they call their town Adam or something. I, I it's been forever since I played New Vegas. Um, but uh, but yeah, he was just talking about the Adam, and I'm like, yeah. I want a Fallout series. That's not what this X-Men movie should make me want, but that's what I want. Anyways, moving on. Um, CGI makeup beast is crap. Uh, I think it's a horrible job, especially for 2011. Thor, Thor did great stuff with makeup and is just as old as this film, and Transformers blew it out of the water with CGI in 2007. Okay, all right, I got to fight on the CGI, okay. though. It is significantly way easier to CGI metal. Than it is to, to do, CGI something like organic. Skin. Yeah, yeah. You could, if you want to av- argue Avatar two years prior, sure. However, Avatar was like the highest budgeted film of all time. Right. Whereas this is very noticeably a lower budgeted X Men movie because the cast is unknown. That that is what this movie is. Is post um, the Last Stand came out and basically torched the franchise, even though it did decently well, but everyone hated it. Then they're like, well, we'll try to revive it with Origins Wolverine. Wolverine comes out. Bombs. Bombs. Yeah. Well, this doesn't bomb. doesn't bomb. But critically bombs. Uh, so these gross start to come down on these movies because the movies aren't yeah. good. So when First Class comes out, it doesn't open well, but it legs it out to a respectable mm-hmm. total. So finally, there's an X-Men movie out that people decently like. But they very purposely did not put too much money into it because the X-Men movies... We're on a downward spiral yeah. at the moment, and this movie had no cast. Like you know, like no one in this movie is famous besides Kevin Bacon. At the and, time. That, and that's crazy. That's crazy saying that now. Is like that. Yeah. Oh, you know, X Men First Class. Well, yeah, because no, now Jennifer no, Lawrence. Uh, that was why had, Days of Future Past was also considered it could be a big deal because Jennifer Lawrence had just yeah. blown up, and then Hugh Jackman was back, obviously, and it of course had the hook of 
we brought back the old cast for nostalgia mm. points too. Uh, which is it's again, I think there's an entire discussion to be had about how Jennifer Lawrence blowing up completely changed what Days of Future Past yeah. is about. It's really interesting because a lot of comic fans got mad at Days of Future Past because one, it it made two characters that aren't really involved at all in the original comic be huge, which is Mystique and Wolverine. Uh, whereas an actual adaptation of the movie would use a uh, Elliot Page's character in it. I can't remember uh, Kitty. the name. Yeah, Kitty. Yeah, Kitty would have been a big role. Uh, but obviously not a big role, which is interesting because he was he he had just done Inception mm-hmm. at the time, so you could have done it, but whatever. That we'll talk about that when we get to day two. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I think Beast looks fine. Uh, I think the issue is any if anything is the shade of blue. The shade of blue makes me inherently be like. That's weird. Uh, I guess you could say Kelsey Grammer in Last Stand looked better. Yeah. Uh, but I I don't know. I don't. I think the CGI on the feet is bad. But also, that just really grosses me out. That, that, that those, those feet shots really gross me out. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, speaking about shots, the aspect ratio was super annoying in this film for me. Um, I had I had issues with it. It would constantly switch. Um, and, but I think that was because I watched it in 4k and this film was not I, shot I in that. I literally have no idea. What yeah. You're it, about it's here. basically, basically <laughs> like so... there was just a whole bunch of the, of the screen, uh, like expanding and then shrinking in and expanding and shrinking in at very obvious times. Um, yeah. And it was just, it was it was a mess. I think, but also, I understand. I actually think this. So, um, do what? I actually think it looks nice. I think days of. I think uh, it looks. It's kind of like Thor, where it has a very classical mm-hmm. look to it, but doesn't have the Dutch angles. I think action movies in general have very underrated cinematography. Uh, and I want to go. Sorry, I want to go back for a second. So I just remember something I wanted to mention when you were talking about the yeah. bacon. Sorry to jump back, but I don't really have much to say about the aspect ratio because I didn't have an issue with it. Uh, you talk about him being, like, a bad villain. I want to point out that the best X-Men movies, outside of X2, I would say both Days of Future Past and Logan have very weak villains. I don't, I think, Days of Future Past, Dinklage has presence, at least. You know, Peter Dinklage hams up that role a bit. So he's good. Because I consider him the villain, not Fassbender. Uh, he's the villain of Days of Future Past. Uh, but then Logan, you literally forgot Richard E. Grant was in that movie when you watched Game right. Forgive Me. Like, he is completely forgettable. Though, I guess you could say the Wolverine clone is memorable in that. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I think, I think Kevin Bacon is more memorable than any of them besides Brian Cox in mm. X2. Brian Cox is pretty good in X2. Yeah. But I also might just be Brian Cox. And of course, Ian McKellen in X2 is really good too. Gotcha. Although I think it's re- Magneto inherently is just such an interesting character because yeah he is a villain but I'd say he's only the villain in X Men One I guess maybe the Last Stand because I haven't seen Last Stand in so long but he's <clears> never <throat> the villain other than I don't think he's ever the he's villain in, in the Last Stand he's he is the villain but also there were like three different plot lines going on in yeah, that so one so it struggles. really overshadows his stuff but it's Stri- Striker is the bad yeah, guy yeah yeah definitely Magneto. Uh, yeah. um so uh, let's let's talk music um your favorite composer henry jackman who did the music for uh captain america 
Civil War. He did the music for um, Winter Soldier and um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Soldier Yeah, so uh, he also did the music for this film, which I I think the music here is fine. It's good. It's better than his uh, MCU work. I'd say it's his second best score overall. I like his score for Wreck It Ralph because it actually uses chiptune music. Uh, and it's pretty catchy I like, stuff. I like it uh, yeah. when we first hit the credits. I like the the score of, of for, X-Men? for First for X-Men, Class. Right? Yeah, that Henry Jackman did. Yeah, for First Class. Yeah. Sorry, I was like, we're not talking about no, Ralph, right? No, no, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Wanted to clarify. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good score. It's a solid, it's got a nice style to it. Uh, it really shines in my favorite scene, which I'm waiting. I'm, I'm not talking about it yet, because I want to gush about it when we get to our mm-hmm. rewards. That there's one scene in this movie... It's a 3 out of 5 movie, but there's one scene in this movie that to me is always like... This whole movie was like this, I would love it way more. Um, I think Jackman does a very good job here. I don't know, it's a good score. Uh, I will say... I... We'll get into this more... When we talk about Days of Future Past, that will be the excellent movie I talk about the most. Because I love Days of Future Past. Even more so than Logan. I think Logan is a better movie, but I can talk more about Days of Future Past. Uh, Is that it does not use the Altman theme... Which makes its return in Days of Future Past feel so much more strong. But that also is interesting because we have all these score here that is never reused. These themes aren't gotcha. reused. Um, but I think they work. They're, yeah. they're solid. Um, here's my opinion on the movie overall. Where it's, This is my most positive opinion. which is I think the last ten minutes of this, until Rose Byrne gets the focus again, is some of the best superhero movie stuff. Mm-hmm. Period. Like, I, I can't really, like, it is very, it's powerful, it has the weight it needs to, and that's from when Magneto confronts Shaw in his prison to the end of the scene on the island with Magneto. Leaving, yeah, yeah. With Azazel. I think that entire 10 minute sequence is incredible. It is riveting stuff. The cutaways to the humans are good. Like, it's good stuff. And this is a, this is a Matthew Vaughn movie, who I think is interesting, because post this, he went to just make Kingsman movies. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, I, I I just, it's good. Like, you know, it's a good, I think this is better than most of the, well, I think Kingsman 1 is a better movie than this. But I think that 10 minute scene is better than anything in Kingsman. I don't know. I just love it. It's really good. That's the thing with X-Men First Class. I think we can agree it's a good movie, but there's not enough, to, there's not a lot to break it down. Where Thor, like, the issues of Thor yes. are very obvious yeah. and easy to dissect. X-Men First Class just has sequences where it gets yeah. dull. Uh, but it comes together at the end until, of course, after that, when we get to Rose Byrne and we get a really dumb scene where... Uh, that's what's a shame, is that to me, everyone always leaves a movie thinking about the last mm-hmm. moments, right? That is just the fact of it. Uh, this... It's just like, after these sequences, we go to Rose Byrne being like, I'm Rose Byrne, uh, and you know, well, you know what, I'm not even talking about, like, the scene where she's like, oh, I remember Kiss, but it's like, she's talking to Xavier, and Xavier's like, maybe I'll go bald one day, maybe I'll, maybe we should be called the X-Men, you know, like, it just gets really annoying for a second, it's like, this is a prequel, (laughs) and it's like, okay, calm down, we don't need to jump so far. Yeah, I I like, uh, talking about the balding, I liked, uh, Beast's comment, Back when he first, when, um, when X, Professor X, first uses the, uh, Cerebro, the Cerebro Beta, and he says, 
are you sure we can't shave your head? And he's like, yes. And I, I really like, I like the inclusion of it there. But yeah, like you were saying, here yeah. at the end, it's just kind of like, we know, we know. We, you already made this yeah, joke. Yeah, like, we know what happens. I don't mind the G-Man one as much. The G-Man one makes yeah. is fine. It's just that it's just right after each other with the addition of immediately showing his wheelchair for the mm-hmm. first time. Uh, basically, my opinion on X-Men First Class is that it's fine. I'm glad it exists because uh, Days of Future Past would not work without what right. it sets up. Uh, and Days of Future Past is, as I said earlier, easily a top ten superhero movie of all time to me. Uh, it's just such a one. And honestly, that's the thing with X-Men, is that it's kind of like Fast and Furious, where you don't know what you're going to get, necessarily, but watching all of the movies, even if the continuity is so yeah. confusing, is just like... It's good. Yeah. Like, it is good. I, I like this film... You're pay- yes, you get the payoff. Yes. That's what I mean. Like this, you get a payoff if you watch them all. Was a really, it was a really good setup for X Men One. Um, like I'm thinking of the very first scene in X Men One where we see Professor X and Magneto. They meet each other in the hall, and it's just it's it by itself without having seen First Class is kind of just like yeah we know that they're friends and like it just kind of touches on. They had a past relationship that went sour, um, and then in this one we we get to see you know the reasons why, um, why that specific moment in X Men just has much more weight, you know, because of of First Class. I think First Class is also very interesting compared to Man of Steel. Yeah, uh, I like. I, I think have you seen I have, Man of Steel? Yeah, I, actually I saw it in theaters actually. I, I think. You like it. Do you like, I like it? I like it. Yeah, it. It, I forget. I like. Yeah, yeah. It is. We don't need to exactly. dive deep into Man of Steel. I just want to make yeah. sure you see it for me to. Uh, well, to make my comparison, that's why. It's because both First Class and Man of Steel had a pretty. Well, okay. X Men First Class's contemporary response is very positive. I think most people have cooled on it since yeah. it came out. And it's so positive because it's coming off of Last Stand and Origins Wolverine that. The fact that an X Men movie was good again was yeah. crazy. Like you know, like it was solid. And it was like, wow, this is amazing. Like I can't believe we have a solid X Men movie again. Um, Man of Steel was a bit more mixed, but I think people were excited off the idea of having a Superman franchise again. However, both went on to both. Well, okay, First Class disappointed to a degree. Well, it didn't disappoint. It did about what people were expecting, but what it was expecting wasn't enough to compete with yeah. the big boys. Uh, Whereas Man of Steel, critically, was kind of mixed. And after its opening weekend, didn't have the legs people had hoped mm-hmm. for. So in both cases, the studios panicked in a way and were like, alright, so our next movie's going to be a crossover yep. movie. Because Days of Future Past is a crossover movie, even if it's it's crossing over the two yeah. continuities. Because initially, First Class was sold as a reboot, not exactly. a prequel. Yeah. Um, but then it became a prequel. Uh, and still, Days of Future Past allowed it to be... Weirdly does, like, no, it's an alternate timeline mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, anyway, so that happens. But the difference is, is that Batman v Superman is hated. Uh, and they should, when I, I don't, we're not going to talk about Batman v Superman too much on this podcast. I don't, I don't like it. Yeah. I don't think you do either. Um, and it's very, it's just because Batman v Superman is not near the quality of the future mm-hmm. past. Sorry, it isn't fans of Batman v Superman. Uh but it's interesting because you'd think that if Batman v Superman was a success and Justice League was a success, 
uh, of course, I haven't seen I haven't seen the Snyder Cut yet, uh, but we would have gone on to making more solo Superman yeah. movies. Uh, whereas Days of Future Past was a success, and it did allow them to go on making. I don't want to say solo X Men movies because they're not solo X Men movies, but like movies of the first class cast. Yeah, they went on Green, for Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix, and Dark Phoenix was supposed yeah. to be another trilogy of of films. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's like it's not like these movies were. It didn't hurt the first class uh, continuity yeah. too much, but the weird thing is, is that they weren't good movies. Like that's just a fact. Is that I don't think Apocalypse is a good movie, and I don't think Dark Phoenix is a good movie, which is a mm-hmm. shame. Uh, I think it's interesting. I think it's. I think it's really. I don't know. I would love to read a breakdown of the X Men movies. Yeah. Just the production yeah. of them. If I was to write, I've always said this. If I was to write a book on any movie series, uh, I'd do Fast and Furious. But then I would gotcha, gotcha. Because I think they both have so well, much. Well, I think sex. I think we're getting into a really good topic here. That instead yeah, of yeah, our instead of doing predictions episode. this week, because uh, we know Fox X Men uh, franchise is dead in the water. Um, We'd hoped it right, wasn't. Right, we hoped. Then... But then Ralph Boner ruined <laughs> everything for um, us. <laughs> uh, so let's. What would you call a genuine like X Men like guide to the X Men movies? I would argue you go first because I know you. I okay, yeah. So I would say start out with first class. We we get a, a really good place to start um, with all of our characters that are going to carry us through um, the series. Wait, wait. Yeah, I want to clarify one thing first before we get into this. Deadpool is being kept yes, separate. Yes, yes. Deadpool is kept We're not separate. Counting if Deadpool. it wasn't, I would still I would include Deadpool in this. But anyways, so we'll Deadpool one and two. Should we watch will we good. will they're start solid. with first class, and then we will go to um, the first X Men movie. Then we'll go into X Men two, and here's where we get to where we're like, okay, we're not including films. Well, we don't include X-Men Origins Wolverine. We don't need it because all of that stuff is answered in between X-Men 1 and X-Men 2. Um, yeah, that's the thing about X-Men Origins Wolverine is not only is it like, we'll, we'll probably cover it eventually on this podcast when we need to film yeah. You know, like filler days. Like, we'll be like, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll watch Wolverine again. Why not? Uh, but X2 does cover everything exactly. that is and it does it well. It does X2 it well, too. It's just a redundant yeah. movie, and it's like, huh, I don't get why this yep. exists. The one thing I've always thought is a shame about Wolverine, and I guess we'll get into this more whenever we watch it, is that they didn't bring back Leif Schreiber yeah. for Logan. Uh, I wish, in a way, that the Wolverine... I don't know, that's a big discussion for Logan, but I think you could replace the Logan clone with a... Uh, Sabretooth clone and have the same ideas that would behind be, it. I, yeah. Yeah, I would like I would like that. But yeah. I don't know. That's the discussion for our Logan um, episode because I know we will definitely so cover then, Logan at some point because so we like Logan here. We all love X-Men, Logan. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, so then we don't watch the Last Stand. Um, it be and we'll just leave it as we go from X two. Then we go to Days of Future Past. Um, and uh, and then Days of Future Past. The main question that's going to guide the following films that i have after this is uh when professor x and beast talk about when we when we look at the future are events are they like unstoppable or are they always going to happen or can we really change the future and um in days of future future past 
proposes that question. Um, and we also get the payoff of seeing, uh, what's her name come back, uh, Jean Grey come back at the very end of Days of Future Past. Um, so we get that nice little um, payoff for Wolverine there. Um, and then we go from Days of Future Past, because at the very end of it, um, Professor X tells Wolverine, he's like, let me fill you in on the stuff that's happened since. Then we go to uh, Dark Phoenix, in which we find out Mystique dies, in which Mystique didn't didn't die in that original continuity because she just, in X-Men 3, she got changed into, you know, whatever. She was still alive at the end of X-Men 2. Um, and then I assume she's still alive in Days of Future Past. So then we go back to... Uh, in Dark Phoenix, we get the answer that you can change how events may happen, but the end result is still going to be there. Um, Jean Grey still becomes the Phoenix. I, I want to talk about so much right now, but all my stuff I want to talk about is like, ah, we'll talk about this right. someday. Ah, we'll talk but, about this someday. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, <laughs> so uh, Jean Grey still becomes the Phoenix. Um, and uh, what's... Uh, but it's before Wolverine even met him in X her in yeah, one. Yeah, so uh so yeah, we we get some uh in, like Magneto still goes down the path of um eventually becoming a villain. And yeah, so we get that in Dark Phoenix. Basically Dark Phoenix answers to you know, is an answer to that well, about the future. And then we go into Logan, where it's like, well, the mutants died off anyways, which is what was going to have like yeah happen in days of future well, past so all right so here, here's here's my take yeah sorry so my take on the x-men movies is in general you should just watch all of them yeah yeah uh, the inconsistency is a asset cuz that makes the good films even better and they generally have payoff to the bad ones um if i was to say an x-men guide of what uh-huh. you should watch i guess i would go X-Men, I would honestly, I would just have you watch First Class and watch X2. I don't actually like I don't, X-Men I don't like X-Men much. 1 I think very much. I guess you can watch it. There are good moments I like to the it. inclusion. I I, I'm not going to be like anti-X-Men. The, uh, I like the setup of, of, what's his name, of Wolverine. Yeah, I like that little bit of, of setup for Wolverine in X-Men 1. I guess I'd keep it, I guess. Then X2... I'd skip the last stand because it sucks, and uh, we'll I'll elaborate on this whenever we watch it. But since it didn't win this time, I think it will be a while. Um, so I'll say it now. Uh, the worst part of X Men: Last Stand is how it treats Mystique, and which is pretty funny to say because Mystique is not actually that important of an X Men yet. She always comes up in conversations about yeah. these movies, but that is my biggest issue of X Men: Last Stand. Of many issues, is how it treats Mystique. Moving on. Um, I think Origins Wolverine is hysterical. I think it's the Mission Impossible 2 of the franchise. <laughs> uh, but I guess you can skip it. Uh, honestly, I agree with Tyler on the ones you should watch. But I would switch Dark Phoenix with The Wolverine. The Wolverine is a good movie. You should watch the unrated cut. The third act is kind of rough, but the rest of it is a good dry run for Logan. I also think you, people shouldn't treat Logan as canon. Uh, I think Logan is a great standalone story, but I think Days of Future Past as the canonical ending is a good ending. I yeah. would take that over Logan as my ending. Logan is just a good... Logan is an epilogue uh, that can be treated as canon. It's kind of like Toy Story 4. 
Uh, you can treat it as canon or you can treat it as not canon. I choose not gotcha. to treat it as canon. Um, so you'd go first but, class X2, the Wolverine, Days of Future Past, Logan add-on if you want. Uh, Is that what? Well, you should watch Logan, but it's kind of like, uh, before we recorded, I was telling Tyler this because he had told me he'd never seen Ocean's Eleven, and I was like, uh, and he said that he should watch Ocean's Eleven, Twelve, and Thirteen soon. And someone else was talking, I was talking to someone else too, not just you, Tyler, about this, is my opinion of Ocean's Eleven is that you should watch it on its own and then give it a while and then watch the sequels. I do think the sequels have merits, but not as much merit as watching the original on its own and appreciating the idea yeah. for what it is. I kind of have the same opinion with his future past, which is that Logan is great, but unless you can totally divorce Logan from the future past like I can, I think they're just different. Like, I'm like, it's a different universe. Gotcha. Logan. Um, because in Logan, like you know, the, the the particular thing for Logan to me is that the X Men comics play mm-hmm. into it, which never are brought up during the X Men yeah. movies. Um, which I guess you could say maybe in the reality of uh, Dark Phoenix, because that's where Logan ends up at the end of, you know what I mean? Like you know the yeah. timeline splits. Um, you could say maybe that's what happens is that those comics start to exist. But anyway, uh, what we're doing is, yeah, Logan is great, but I like my Days of Future Past happy ending and treating Logan as its alternate universe. If you can do that in your head, then sure, watch Logan after Days of Future Past. Otherwise, you should give it a bit gotcha. before you watch Logan. Gotcha. Anyway, time for our yep. YS Awards. Uh, Michael MVP. Fassbender, a.k.a. the MCU Doctor Doom, please. Uh, my take is that the MCU Doctor Doom should be someone who we've already had in the MCU it should just be Mads Mikkelsen showing up again in a better role. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mads Mikkelsen was underserved by Doctor yes. Strange. And I don't think anyone would complain about him being Doctor Doom. Uh, but yeah, our, my MVP is Fastbender too. It's kind of funny, as I was saying uh, last week, Hiddleston is the obvious MVP for four, but none of us picked him. But this week, yeah, we're going with Fastbender. Uh, favorite scene? It's uh, pr- uh, Xavier recalling the memory of mother for magneto it's such a high emotional performance from Vastbender and builds the friendship between uh both xavier and magneto um so now their ideological split in x-men one has more impact uh sure i mean i'm gonna talk about the, so i actually picked that for my favorite moment mm-hmm. but i'll get into that later uh my favorite scene of this is the scene that i always say if the whole movie was edited like this i would like it uh, well, not even, okay, I don't want the whole movie to be a montage, but it's the montage where they keep splitting the screen and it's very yeah. stylish. I, I'm always very intrigued by that sequence, uh, and I, I just like it. Like, it's a great sequence. It lasts about, I, it's not a quick montage. I think it's like five to yeah. seven minutes, uh, and it's always just a joy to watch to me. I wish the whole movie was made like that, uh, with that type of 60s gotcha. style to it. Yeah, It's the only time, to me, it really embraces... Uh, the stylistic that's the weird thing about these x-men movies is like none of them really embrace the decade they take place in they're just kind of x-men movies and they're like oh wait this historical thing was happening so we'll tie the plot a little bit yeah yeah that's true yeah uh but yeah i like the montage what was the worst scene for you it's the sequel with uh, Mm. emma frost it's just bad and the magneto costume is bad too they replaced it for the next movie for an obvious reason uh and Emma Frost never comes up again. There's a lot of things in this movie that never come up again because of Dave's Future Fast. 
But yeah. Yep. I like the uh or no, the worst scene for me was the powers show off scene. It it was mediocre and full of cheese. Uh, the thing that's funny about that scene is that like it is cheesy. But there's a bit of cheese in it that I'm shocked that was like allowed to happen and that's them like bending over as a group of like all five of them bend over to watch Havoc and he goes like back up and they all bend back up to you know what I mean? Like it's such a cheesy shot. I'm like how is this how is this allowed to happen? <laughs> like I'm I'm impressed. <laughs> So what's your best moment? When Michael Fassbender is in Argentina, and uh, we really get to see him use his full his full like his powers to their full ability, and it's technically more seen. Yeah, I'll let you have it. it's I'll yeah. Let you well, have I'm it. specifically <laughs> thinking of he's got one guy um, uh, stabbed through to the table. He's got one guy to the table, and then he's stopping. Uh, he's controlling the gun in the other guy's hands. In the bartender's hands. Yeah. Like, that moment right there is like, yeah, this guy's taking out three guys. Two Nazis, you know? He's taking out three guys, two Nazis, um, all by himself. And it's it's such an emotional payoff um, from earlier in the film. I will say that, to me, the best, uh, the best scene, moment. Uh, well... I have something else, and I'm going to mention something else, because it's kind of what you said, and it's when Magneto's uh-huh. memory comes back, but it's just that moment where we see it. I really like the way that Xavier's powers are shown in this movie. It is very uh, aesthetically yeah. pleasing, always. Um, that said, I'm going to give a different answer, because you kind of already said this. Uh, I like the moment in the third act. It's a, It seems like an obvious payoff, but the thing is, Magneto's backstory has so much gravity to it, uh, in a way, other superhero stories don't, and that's because obviously the Holocaust yeah. element of it. Um, and the ending of the movie, when Xavier is begging Magneto not to blow mm-hmm. up the ships because there's innocent people on him, they're just men following orders, and he's like, "Yeah, I've dealt with a lot of men following yeah. orders. That doesn't excuse them from stuff." And I'm like, "That's, that's a really, really good. Powerful yeah, that is a really movie. good moment. Yeah. Uh, so that's my pick for best moment." Because uh, it's interesting, because I feel like a lot of other superhero movies try to have mm-hmm. a moment like that, but none of them are as executed yeah. as well as this one is. Um, yeah, it's really great. What about m- uh, most disappointing aspect? Well, mine kind of goes with best surprise, and that's that Zoe Kravitz is in this, who's a very talented actress. She's given absolutely mm-hmm. nothing to do. Uh, kind of same thing with Rose Byrne, but the difference. Well, I guess they're both kind of in the same boat. Rose Byrne and Zoe Kravitz. I can yeah. pick between the two of them. Uh, Zoe Kravitz, I guess I'd give more of a disappointment because at least Rose Byrne was brought back, presumably with a big paycheck, because at that point she was famous and she wasn't contracted yep. for it. She's wasted an apocalypse, but I'm sure she got paid for it, so I don't really care. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's one of those things, like, yeah, at least she got paid for this one. Uh, so, yeah. Zoe Kravitz does nothing in this, and then she never comes back. And her character is so poorly written, even compared mm-hmm. to everyone else in this. She's just like, yeah, I'll go. I guess I'll go to your side. And then she does nothing when she is exactly. on this, her side. Yeah. So, Tyler. What do you think is this uh, CGI beast? We talked about it. Talked about it earlier. It really it 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 pulled me out of the of the film because I was I was full in. It was, that's right there in that ten minutes of action that's going on, and I'm like, yeah, X Men, use your powers, save the day. And then he's like talking to everybody, and I'm like, this, yeah, it's just, yep, yeah. Uh, um, okay. Yeah, that's fair, I guess, for you. I, I already said I don't have an issue with it, but I get that you do. 
Um, best surprise, um, mine goes to Zoe Kravitz in a way, and that's that I was shocked to see Caleb Landry Jones in this movie. I'm sure half the people listening to this have no idea who Caleb Landry Jones is, but to me, he's a mm-hmm. decent name. And he looks absolutely nothing like he does today in it. Like, he is such a kid in this. It's so weird. Because, especially considering that, like, again, what no, he had kind of a breakout year as a character actor in 2017, which is only six years after this. But in my opinion, he looks nothing like he does uh, in 2017 that he doesn't look... He looks in yeah. this one. You know what yeah. I mean? Yep. Yeah. Uh, for me, it was Azazel. Um, it shows that powers are not necessarily unique to the Beholder. Because we also know Nightcrawler has the same transporting... Well, Azazel is, I believe, Nightcrawler's dad. Ah, the okay, so then that would sense. make sense. Okay. Yeah, I just wonder if the MCU MCU will adapt that as well. Well, I just hope they do bring in Ivor Nightcrawler. I, yeah, I do too. Cool. Uh, most uh, excited? And what are you excited to see more? I, I am most excited to see more of Magneto in the MCU. Um, I think that... It's pretty funny for you to say that, though. Because most people's opinion on the X-Men movies are there's too much Wolverine, there's ah, too much Magneto. See, I think... <laughs> I, I want more... I want more Magneto from from X-Men. The issue is that Magneto's writing it, is so it, inconsistent. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that is the thing. But I... Well, no, no, I mean there's a positive. That the MCU could... The MCU, exactly. The, the MCU can line up this just great, you know, line for him. Um, and I, there's a lot of emotion there, which we see in this film and in a, a few of the others with, uh, Fassbender's Magneto. They're like, there's a lot of stuff there and there's a heavy narrative with his story well, that I think the MCU needs some more of that heaviness, you know? So here, here's my thing. And this, I have listed as my most excited, but it's more like my assessment of how... That's what I think the most excited to see more of this time means. I wouldn't really clarify that. Since we're not going to see more of this continuity, this is just kind of our thoughts on what this movie will... Looking through first class, how do we view the X-Men's eventual version... The eventual arrival of the X-Men in the MCU? And mine isn't something I'm excited about. It's something I'm worried about. And that is that Marvel will... And I have it as whitewash, but it doesn't... It just needs change magneto's origins because uh, this movie doesn't and the fact is is the longer it takes for the x-men to get introduced in the mcu the older you're gonna have to make magneto for him to have his origin be of the being a holocaust survivor. yeah yeah if... uh, and there's a lot of discussion on how to change that there's a lot of, i've seen people say well make him black and put him in the 60s uh which is viable but my response there is always I think erasing this Jewish character whose Jewish heritage and his history of the Holocaust is a pretty yeah, dangerous yeah, thing to agreed. do uh, right now. Uh, but the question is still, though, he is old. Like, that would make him an old character. Do you make him immortal? Do you change that? Do you freeze him in ice? How do you work around this? Because I do think... I think... I, I would be so disappointed if they removed his Holocaust origins. Uh, Maybe in Spider-Man No Way Home. He has to go back in time to save to the, the to save the future, and he ends up going to the in the multiverse. Doctor Strange sends him back, and he goes back back to the past, and he ends up in the X Men. He ends up in the mutant timeline, and then there we get the discriminate. Basically, I'm just replacing. Wolverine with Mag- with Spider-Man. So what you're telling it's me is... Days of is, Future no, Past. No, 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 hold up, hold up. So what you're telling me is, in order to make up for randomly basing all of Spider-Man's character development on Iron Man, they're going to make 
Spider-Man be the basis of all the X-Men character yes. development yes. to make up for it. <laughs> I'm thinking we're done. We are. We're done. We're we done. are. I'm done. I want to go eat. Sorry. Yep. We're done. Have fun. If you if you listen to this in your car, come <laughs> <on>. uh, <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Why Is with Ty and Dan. We can be found on various podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, and on our website, whyiswithtydan.buzzsprout.com. We are also on YouTube at our channel, Why Is with Ty and Dan. You can also contact us by email at whyiswithtydan at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at whyiswithtyand1 because I'm number one. And you can follow me, Danny Vince, on Letterboxd at Blankments for reviews of movies, including those not in the MCU. Uh, and also links to my other podcast, The Snub Club. And you can join us next week when we discuss the 10th anniversary of the other Marvel product to come out in 2011. You might be thinking I'm talking about Captain America the First Avenger, but I'm not. I'm talking about Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. The musical. Ooh. The Spider-Man musical, yes. <laughs>